Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for season five of the Dream On podcast. I am so excited to be here today for another episode with experienced author, a former Tar Heel and professional lacrosse player, and someone who's dedicated his career to life coaching and deep diving into high achievements. Thank you as always for tuning in. These episodes are recorded from a live Zoom webinar that I hold through the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast that you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I have met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. If you're loving our episodes so far, show us some love in the reviews and rate us five stars. Also, be sure to S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E. It would mean the world to us. All right, we've got another special guest this week, and I'm super pumped to get right into it. Sean Delaney is the celebrated author of the newest book that I've personally added into my morning mindset routine, Masterpiece in Progress. He has written other masterpieces himself and is also a decorated life coach and the host and director of the What Got You There podcast. Throughout this conversation, we talk a lot about mindset, failure and success, working through doubt and hardship, and so much more. Each conversation I have on this Dream On podcast, I walk away from with so much wisdom and an undeniable amount of inspiration. And this episode proved no different. From discussing Sean's journey to playing college and professional lacrosse, to developing skill sets that have brought him to success in his post-lacrosse life, to his outlook on life as a father and mentor today. We did uncover a ton in this episode, and I hope you get the chance to take away as much as I did from it. Let's dive in for episode one of season five with Sean Delaney. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dream On podcast. This episode actually starts season five of the Dream On podcast. I'm your host, Kylie O'Miller, and I am so excited to be here today with Sean Delaney, who is not only the author of one of my new favorite books that I read every single day, um, but he has a lot to do with mindset, mentality, so much that goes into all of those things. I'm going to give him a proper introduction in just a second, but just wanted to say that I'm super excited to have you here, Sean. Thank you for being here. We've had a lot of great conversations over the last couple of weeks, so I'm excited for our Dream On listeners to really dive in with you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, and this is awesome. Season five, excited to dive into this. Uh, I think it's incredible what you're doing. I obviously love going super deep with people, especially people in the sports around mentality, how you approach. So I think these conversations are really important. So I hope the listeners are excited to hear it. Awesome. I know they are. So for our listeners, uh, Sean Delaney is a executive life coach. He's a former professional lacrosse player. He played at UNC. So I'm pretty sure all of you lacrosse people out there, you guys, you you know how well, uh, well off a program is in UNC. Uh, he's the author of Masterpiece in Progress and Insights of the Ages. He's also an entrepreneur and investor, and he's the podcast host and director of What Got You There. Um, so obviously he wears a lot of hats. Um, he does a lot of awesome things. And as he mentioned, loves to really just dive deep and have conversations with a lot of high achievers and people of like-minded like-mindedness. So um, that's exactly what we do here on the Dream On podcast. And I'm just really, really pumped to dive in. Where we like to start on the Dream On podcast, though, before we go back into your journey and ask you all about like who you are and everything, we like to just start off on the right foot um, and find out where you're at right here today. So for reference, our listeners today, it's Friday, January 12th, 2024. It's at about four o'clock p.m. So we're almost at the weekend. 
Um, Sean, what is something that you're thankful for today? I am thankful for my, uh, my five-year-old. They had a kind of like a end of the year, new year's goal, stuff like that. And one of the things he wants to do is uh, he wants to improve his ability to chase me around the house. So as a father, that's super fun. Uh, having kids that eyes light up when you walk in the door and getting able to do that and have ones that are excited about that. So for me, uh, that's really something I'm grateful for. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys are going to be having some races inside the house, yeah. I'm sure, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping active. Um, what is something that you're proud to say that you've accomplished today so far? Uh, I had some really good calls with some people that I just really deeply admire. Um, there are some of my coaching clients that really push the limits on their abilities, and that's both in their their world of the, the professional world they're in, but also kind of outside at home encompassing uh, life. So for me, being part of that journey is just really cool. Uh, and I'm really proud to be a part of it and kind of help elevate them um, into deeper capacities of their abilities. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is that this is going to probably tie into your next kind of question here, but is that something that you're going to continue on and continue on to chase and be pumped about and a lot of those conversations heading into next week? My next question for you is what is something that you're pumped to go and chase? Cool. I love that question. Um, so, so we're starting the new year, the end of the year, um, I do like some reflecting and deep diving. And so one of the things I do going into a new year is I get a word or a phrase that's kind of going to be like the theme of my year. I've done this for a few years now. And I think it's like really cool to kind of have this like general, not like a North star, but just kind of like in the back of your mind when you think about the year. So for me this year, and this might sound like an odd word to people, it's just deepening. So I want to deepen my relationships with the people that I care most about. So that's like a really important thing uh, for me. I talk about like my son, stuff like that. So deepening those relationships. Also for me, the other part of that is really deepening my craft. But like what I was just talking about a minute ago is like, how do I ex expend my energy correctly to learn and discover more of my abilities and really hone that craft? Um, so yeah, in terms of things that I'm chasing, that to me, I'm really kind of thinking deeply on what I do, how I do it, my approaches, what's most effective, all of that. So to me, that might sound like a little bit odd. It's kind of like, what, what's the theme of the year? Uh, but I'm just trying to deepen my level of knowledge in terms of like what I do. It would be so like in the lacrosse world, the way this would translate is basically like, I'm going to do everything in my abilities to get ready for this next season. And you know what? Here's my skills. Here's where there's gaps in my playing ability. Here's how I need to be a better teammate. And this is what I'm working on. And then I'm designing my calendar every single day to go extremely deep into those. So that's, that's how it would translate to like the lacrosse world. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I have a kind of follow-up question on that too. And I, I knew that I would, um, but I think like when it comes to what you just talked about in terms of like breaking those almost bigger goals, like that's a word that you're looking to set an intention for, for an entire year. And then you broke it down into smaller kind of themes throughout little mm -hmm. things that you wanted to really attack and also deepen. Um, but then you were able to kind of even break it down further and say like, what can I put into my daily calendar and make sure that I'm actually attacking that like massive goal throughout the year? What are some examples, if you don't mind sharing of some of those like daily habits you're starting to implement in 2024 to deepen those things? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in terms of like daily habits, I think like a really good thing for the listeners is there's going to be no perfect habit. Uh, mm -hmm. There's going to be no perfect routine. So it's really kind of like getting clear on who you're trying to become and like what you're trying to solve for. So a habit I might lay out here might not be perfect for a 19-year-old college sophomore who's trying to figure out certain things. That's important, but find out like what you're trying to do. And so for me, I just laid out kind of what I'm trying to do. So in order to do that, 
I really need to be my learning abilities, right? So I need to not only learn kind of like cutting edge in terms of neuroscience and leadership and all those different things, but also what's the knowledge I already have. So kind of really going in deep for myself and uncovering what's helpful for me. So I'm framing that up first. So every single morning to me, I'm, I just happen to be a morning person. So I take that time alone where I really kind of go deep and that's my, my best work period. Um, so I design my day so I can go super deep in the morning. Uh, and then obviously I'm, I'm aligning just like my physical abilities too. So in terms of being on, on my, my game, right. Energetically, um, and having the, the ability to be able to do that for many hours. So working out process and stuff like that. So I really think a lot about kind of just like the studying, the preparation of my craft, having a lot of conversations like this with people who are at the top of their field and what they do. Um, so continuing to study a lot. That's great. I think it's also really important, like you mentioned, and this is something we chatted about um, this past Wednesday, actually, um, on our kind of just mentality and elite performers. We talked a lot about it on our seminar on Wednesday, um, and we just wanted to continue the conversation. So that's why we're here today having this conversation. We got some really positive feedback from our listeners on that. Um, and I know that one of my favorite takeaways was talking about how a lot of the things when you're studying mindset work and mentality and building habits into your own goals, a lot of it is going to be like a, a try on process. Right. And we mm -hmm. talked about a lot is this might work for me, but it might not work for you. And we got to try it on, see if it works. And if it does, if it sticks, that's great. If it doesn't like, let's find something else and try something new on. Um, I have to ask though, what was one of your favorite takeaways from that conversation in our seminar? Yeah, I, I would say for me, I mean, it's like awesome getting to hear about your entire journey and then how you think about all these things. And something that was really clear for me is you open my eyes up to doing things in different ways. And so I'm bringing that up because we all do things slightly differently. And so one of the cool things to think about is people at the top of their game, they might have a different approach to how they do it. And your approach isn't necessarily right. It's right for you. And my approach might not necessarily be right for you, but it could be right for me. And so understanding that, I think that earlier on in my career, I would hear someone like your, yourself speak and I'd think, oh, that's the only way it is, mm. but you have to try that on. And so I just always, I deepen my level of appreciation when I hear people who are exceptional at what they do, talk about their process and something that works for them. Um, so I really just enjoyed hearing the different perspective. For me, I think that's so critical. There, there's, there's rarely ever one correct way to do it or one path, there's all these other multiple ways. And just so having that perspective and getting to see it, uh, to me is the takeaway. And, and I get to do this a lot. I get to have a lot of these conversations and every single time it's it's refreshing for me. And like, so what I mean by this is there's really like an, an alignment of, let's call it like your authenticity, like who you are at your core, you bring that out in your craft. And I think that was really clear um, in the seminar we had the other night is those idiosyncrasies that you have that uniqueness. You, you can think about this, um, Let's Let's take some of the um, coaches that are in recent headlines that have been really famous, though, and, and very good at their craft. Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think there's no arguing that. Another one who's got multiple Super Bowls, Pete Carroll, right? Pete Carroll, Carroll, highly energetic. You know, he's like a player's coach. He's, he's high-fiving, he's chest-bumping. I've never seen Bill Belichick, like, chest-bumping players, right? Both exceptional at what they do, completely mm -hmm. different approaches. And so I think it's really important 
And what I saw you do really well is that level of, of self-awareness and self-discovery, figuring out who you are at your core and bringing that out in your craft. Um, so yeah, that's that was just one of the big ahas once again for me is how you figure that out. You figure out what works for you. You're continually trying and iterating, but then you're bringing that out in your craft. And the best in the world, the best that, that I, I've gotten to work with, that I've, I've studied, I've interviewed, all of them have this level of bringing their authenticity, who they are, their full embodiment into their craft. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful too. And like, I, I love that analogy. Obviously it's a big in headlines right now um, to two of the major coaches and, um, and it's a really well said analogy, right? It's like, those are two of the best. They have similar stats and they've been at the top for X amount of time, like years and years um, and two completely different people two completely yeah. different coaches. Um, so that's a really cool way to think about it. And I'm glad that you were able to kind of make that connection there um, for our listeners. Another thing we talked about a little bit about even before we started this conversation um, here on this podcast was, um, you know, entrepreneurship, starting businesses, wearing a lot of hats, having a lot of priorities. That's something that you and I have in common. Um, so what would you say, I'm going to start off with a kind of fun, I would say, question here, but what would you say is a typical day in the life looking like for you these days? Uh, so I'll start off with, with all of those hats. I didn't, I didn't start day one wearing that many hats. That would have been, been, been total chaos. Um, <laughs> so in, in terms of like my calendar, it might be different for other people, but uh, I just happen to be a natural morning person. I, don't, I haven't used an alarm for years. So you hear like when I wake up, don't be like, oh my gosh, I have to wake up then. I'm just a morning person. So if you're a night owl, like the things I do in the morning might be better for your evening time. Like when I was in college, I mean, up till 2, 3 a.m., just naturally, that's, that was my natural rhythm. Now, honestly, without, without an alarm clock, I don't know if I'm just older, I get up like four-ish. Wow. Um, and so for me, like I said, that's my deep work time. Um, mm -hmm. I've got three kids, so our house can be pretty chaotic later in the day or the evening. No one's awake that time. So that's like my special time. That's when I do my best thinking, uh, writing the books. That's when I do like my deepest writing. So that's like when I'm really studying and honing in, um, doing exercises around like self-awareness, some of the things we talked about in the seminar. So I try to do that for 90 minutes. If I'm really lucky, I might get like a two hour work block there. And that's, that's no distractions. I don't have my phone. It's uninterrupted and I'm fully present and focused on what I'm doing. Um, after that, I go in and I do a, uh, do, do you want me to go through like my, my whole day yeah, here? Is this I want the whole day. day. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then uh, I, I've been doing uh, like uh, breath work, I think is critical. This is one of the things I wish I knew more about when I was playing. So I, I do a deep breathing exercise. It takes, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, and I do that. And then I go into a workout. Now my workout routines are so much different than they were. Uh, when I was playing, I was maniacal about the weight room. And then for probably 10 years after playing, still maniacal, where I'd be an hour, two hours plus now. I mean, I, I got three kids, really busy schedule. So my workouts are super intense. There are 30 minutes. Um, if I'm really lucky, I might get like 45 minutes. And that brings me up to right about 7 a.m., you know, quick shower, shave. Uh, kids are up. So we do breakfast. And then I, uh, I take my kids to school and then it's about 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is when I start another work block. So like another deep work block. And you'll hear this theme again and again. When, I, when I'm doing something, I, I'm trying my best to remove distractions. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen in my own life and of the high performers, the ones who get the most out of their abilities, this is the key, the most out of their abilities, they are fully in what they're doing. They are deeply present. They're fully focused. They're not opening up their phone. They're not scrolling. They're not checking email 10 times. What they're doing is what they're doing. And they go all in on that. 
And the upside of that is incalculable compared to when you're having all of these other things buy, buy for your attention. Uh, so I do that usually from nine to 12 and, and this depending on the day. So I try to divide my week, uh, my week, certain days, I'll, I might have full day of coaching with my clients. Um, another day, it might be more loose for like something like this. Uh, so I, I have like a, a weekly architecture too, and try to design my days with a certain theme. Uh, then I do lunch quick walk of the dog. And then I'm back for another three hour work block, basically till about four and about four 15. I'm pretty shot. Uh, cause I've had three major work blocks then, uh, and then just try to relax and unwind. Um, but two things I will say around just the calendar overall, I think this is really, really important because this will, this will help anyone. It doesn't matter if you take a single thing that I do on uh, habits. What this is about is intentionality, really being clear about like who you're trying to become and who you need to and what you need to do in order to become that person. Um, and so being intentional in the day. So before you start your day, knowing kind of the next day, what that's going into, and then also ending your day, quick recap, understanding what went well, what didn't, and then thinking about the next day ahead. Those to me, I found have been extremely helpful. Um, just really trying to keep myself centered and on track in terms of what I'm trying to do. That's awesome. And, you know, I think it's a really fun question because a lot of times, or at least as of recent years, it's been a question that I've struggled to answer because so many of my days look different. Um, and at times I'm a very like same thing, very calendar oriented. I'm very, I like to be focused when I need to be focused. Um, I like to be fully present. So a lot of the ups and downs of my schedule, whether it be traveling for an event or, you know, having a bunch of different meetings that weren't supposed to be there a couple of days before, and then all of a sudden they are, um, you know, that used to overwhelm me. So when people used to ask this question, like, what's a typical day in the life of, you know, a business owner and a professional lacrosse player look like? It actually used to, you know, almost give me a little bit of anxiety answering it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess my follow-up question to you comes from like, did you ever have any sort of struggle in where you like now you feel experienced and you feel really set in your in your schedule and in this time blocking did you have ever have any struggles with that and like what was the pathway to finding this like perfect balance yeah yeah so let's explore that so one of the things is you only figure that out by like messing up and going through the hardships of like oh wow this my schedule is overwhelming it's chaotic i can't stand these things so that's like part of it and so if you can kind of get control so when i was talking about like certain days Right. Like as athletes, we're, we're programmed. We have these like certain rhythms, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're in the weight room and, you know, all of these things And real life comes at you really fast. And all of these things we didn't plan for. And so I try to play offense with that of, all right, the things I actually can get on a calendar and figure out, let me figure those out. Let me get them on there. Let me also understand. And this is like, this is more kind of like advanced levels. It's like, what are my natural daily rhythms? So I was talking about like the morning, my peak energy periods, right? So if I have something that's going to require like extreme levels of focus, if I can get that in before noon, that's when I'm going to try to do it. And so even like certain meetings that meetings that might require that, I will try to schedule those in, right? So that's part of it, like just kind of playing offense, getting control, blocking those things on your calendar. And then also having a certain understanding that just there's going to be natural chaos happening, right? There's going to be natural rhythms, um, that kind of get out of whack and that's going to be part of the game, but playing offense as much as I can controlling what I can control. And then, Hey, this other stuff's going to happen. And guess what ends up happening is if you don't fight all of that chaos and you kind of allow that to happen, you realize you recoup so much energy because so many times what I used to do is my schedule would get out of whack and I'd spend all my energy kind of just internally 
being a wreck because the schedule was out of whack as opposed to like, okay, that's the new schedule. Let's roll with that. Let me show up fully here. Let me allocate my energy. Um, obviously that's like an ideal scenario to do that. And that takes years and I'm still practicing that, but just trying to do that more and more frequently. Uh, all of this, everything we talk about here is going to be a trainable skill. Um, so you can def you definitely train that up, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it takes years. It's an ongoing process and you get a better understanding of who you are as a person, what works best for you um, and what's really driving your businesses forward and then allocating your time towards that. Yeah, I think it's, um, I had to ask that question because I think it's such an important topic. It's one that comes up a lot too, even with young athletes. And I know we have a lot who are listening here just about, you know, time management priorities. How do I manage, you know, all the camps and clinics that I'm going to plus tournaments, plus this club team, other sports, having friends, school, you know, being a family member, all of it. Right. And um, the best kind of thing that you said there is that all of these skills that we're going to talk about here on this podcast are trainable skills. Um, and it's no different for that time management piece, right? It's always, it's something as athletes, we are kind of like just thrown into the fire with just based mm -hmm. on our schedule at young, young ages. Right. Um, so the more that you are kind of in it and figuring out what works for you and figuring out like, is it a to-do list that works for you? Is it a planner that works for you? Is it you know, scheduling things on certain days, like we're talking about here and kind of like, you know, blocking off that time, finding what works for you is just one of those trainable skills and it's going to take some time. So I think that's a really important piece of advice that I took from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your point around like to-do list. So I definitely created like my own to-do list so that that's helpful. Another thing though, and this is like one of those inconvenient truths that just ends up being true. Um, if everything in your schedule is important then nothing's important. And so what I mean by that is you got to figure out what really matters, like what really matters. And unfortunately for me, part of the process is I realize I can't do what I do exceptionally well, unless I have a few things that I do, right? I can't have 15 and 20, which is what I try to do. So this is like, this is a process. This took me years, right? And in, in my early twenties, honestly, right out of school, I could probably, it just seemed like I could maybe do so much more. I was on an airplane every other day. I was in different cities. I was doing this. Um, but at some point you got you got to realize you got to focus, you got to figure out and align your life on the things that fully matter and that are most important. And guess what? You know what that takes? It takes saying no to some things, some shiny object type things that you thought were important. But what ends up happening is the more you do that, the more you say yes, to those things that are like kind of moving the needle for you, whether that's personally, professionally, they're mm -hmm. taking away from the things where you could really like 10 X in terms of like your relationships. Like you'll, you'll see this as at, like after college, you might have like 30 girls in the team, right? That you were really, really close with. And then it turns to 20 and then 15 and then there's six. And it, it sucks because you're losing some of those relationships. But I think about like, we only have so much time and energy and go really deep on those ones that are really going to move the needle. So it's needle, needle. So that's relationships, that's business, that's those few activities. Um, and that's a tough process to go through, but just be aware that's like a natural cycle and a natural arc. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely really important too. And I think like obviously one of those life transitions that every athlete has to go through at one point too, yeah. um, and isn't talked about enough. Um, so I think that's an, an important piece to bring up, right? Just almost like recognizing that that's going to be a natural piece of life is that part's going to come at some point and how can we best prepare ourselves for it? Yeah. Um, speaking about lacrosse, um, let's dive into your background with it a little bit. So, yeah. um, Thinking all the way back, all the way, all the way back. Where did you grow up? What was your introduction to sports in general like? Yeah, so it's funny. When I was really young, I was not into sports at all. It was it was funny. I was actually like I was a, a, a an, an obese kid. 
um, until about like the fourth, fifth grade. Um, I was not into, into team sports. I really just like, I like loved climbing trees and just like doing outdoor stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm from South Jersey. So a, a lot of people on this will, will know the town. I'm from Morristown, amazing yeah. women's program. Uh, when I was there, just an incredible program. Uh, and then I, my brother picked up lacrosse. I think he played for a season or two, but he picked up a stick. I picked it up in the yard and I was like, this is super fun. And I was really kind of just like an, an intense, energetic. I liked football. So I enjoyed the aspect, like you get to run around, hit people. Really, that was like the natural love for it. Um, and then I, I I started playing, just completely fell in love with the sport. Like I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast, they probably truly love the sport. And I think for me, that was probably one of the most important things uh, in terms of my life moving forward. This would be a reoccurring theme. I found something that really gripped me. I'm talking about a deep passion. I have a love for this sport. And I realized that you need to find those things that really grip you internally and pull you those passions and go all in on those. Because when you do that, that is the, the high performers the, are the ones who truly love their craft because that's the only sustainability. Like you have to have a deep love for what you do because when you do, it's the, those hard days, those hard, hard days, it's like, no, 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 I still love this. And the mm -hmm. hardships aren't as hard because of that. So yeah, I fell in love with it early. I started playing, um, well, I guess late for probably most people, fifth grade. Um, and got some really, really great coaches, both on my my youth teams and my travel teams. Um, so yeah, played in Morristown, stayed there my whole life until University of North Carolina. Yes. Hey guys, Kylie here. A short break from our conversation to remind you to check in on our social channels. You can find little snippets from our episodes on Instagram at, at dream.on underscore pod. And if you're a lacrosse stud looking for a unique way to train and develop into the best version of yourself, like our guest here most definitely has, check out the KO17 Lacrosse app in the App Store. That's KO17 Lacrosse. And at D-R-E-A-M period O-N underscore P-O-D on Instagram. Come join the fam and we can keep dreaming on together. Okay, enough of that. We back. Yeah, so how did that um, kind of come about? How did that look for you as someone who didn't think they would go on to play lacrosse when they were younger, but... Um, then, you know, high school rolls around and then colleges are looking at you. You're looking at colleges, looking forward to the next kind of like stage of your life. How yeah, did yeah. you become the option? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, inter and when I started playing lacrosse, everything shifted where mm. it was just like, no, 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 I want to do this. And I was just like, yeah, I want to play at like a top program. I was like, I love this. And I really want to find out my true capabilities and I'm going to do every single thing I can. So that, um, that shift happened pretty quickly. Once I got, once I got to middle school and actually started playing this sport. Um, and like one of the cool things with that too, like another theme is just how malleable we are, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you saw me in the third grade, you never would have ever guessed what was going to end up happening. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I was a morbidly obese kid, did not play sports or anything like that. Um, and I've, I've seen this transition happen with so many people. And so it's like, no matter where you are, no matter where you're starting right now, where do you want to get to? Fall passionately in love with that person you want to become. And then every single day, work your ass off to make that happen. Mm -hmm. All internal blockages. That's the only thing that's stopping you. 
Um, and I think for me, that was a really important message. Like, uh, I didn't, I didn't understand this stuff till way later, right? I had to go back in my life and was like, oh, wait a second. When you were in the fourth grade and you were obese and you made a decision, you wanted to lose weight. That was probably really influential. And you never even understood that till 20 yeah. years later, right? Um, and so I think that's like a really important thing. And that theme continued, right? In terms of the recruiting process, I was really clear on what I wanted to do. And for me, I always start there. Like, what, who do I want to be? Because when you know who you want to be, meaning I want to play at a top program, um, not for the prestige, but because I want to, I want to compete against the best. I love it. I love being in the arena with people who are going just as hard as I am. And I'm going to push my limits to get there. Uh, so I was really clear on that. I'm not saying that's the path for everyone, but figure yeah. out what you're trying to solve for. Uh, and then I was just maniacal. You like, and it, I, I don't, I say that because it was a passion and right. you probably had this too. You, you had to have like, I was in love with the process. If it was like pouring rain at 34 degrees, I was like, great, because no one else in Morristown is out on the field. I yeah. loved it. Like, I love that process. And like, that's a really good indicator that like, you're probably in, in, in alignment with what you should be doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it was just, I got thrown into some really cool teams. I remember I finished up, it was my first day of freshman year, um, or first day of summer, right after freshman year. And for freshman year, just so you know, I thought I was going to make varsity as a freshman and ended up not making it. And my best friend who was a defender, so I came in as an attackman, he made it. So you want to talk about like motivation and drive and just like, okay, and I can do, I can do, I can do two things here. I can complain. I can blame the coaches. I can go down that downward spiral or I can be like, okay, I'm going to do everything in my abilities and that I can control to change this scenario for the next year. And I'm going to do every single thing possible. It's the story we're going to tell ourselves, but back to, so then that whole season happens and it's the first day of summer after my freshman year. And it was my first practice at my, my new, um, I played for tri-state that was that travel team. And so we were freshmen, but we were on the oldest team. It was me and my buddy who made varsity. I have, it was the first time I got thrown into an environment where my head was spinning. I'm talking spinning. It was like my team was, everyone was like going to Hopkins or UVA. Or, and this day in practice, I was like, what the hell is going on here? I was like, everyone is moving so fast. Every coach is screaming like crazy. And it was that wake-up call. It was that wake-up call, another threshold moment where am I going to crack under this pressure or am I going to pull myself up and say, you know what? All right, now I know what I need to do. I got to improve my speed. I got to improve that's all of that, all of that and go mm -hmm. into that. And I, I just fell in love with that. So that's what happened again and again, and just kept trying to figure out what I could do, where, where my potential was and just kept pushing it every single day. Wow. That's really, really cool. And you put two really, like you said, you probably didn't put those pieces together until 20 years later when this is what you st really started studying and looking back on your own life. And, but those are two pivotal moments that you talked about in terms of, you know, not necessarily blaming outside forces for things that happen to you or put you in uncomfortable situations, but more so looking inward and, you know, finding the passion from lacrosse and like from everything around you and like pushing that through and making sure that that was what motivated you to get to the person that you wanted to become. Um, I just think that's such a really, really fantastic and relatable story um, that a lot of our listeners are going to really appreciate. So um, thank you for that. And I definitely want to ask this question because this is one of my favorite questions to ask on the Dream On podcast. We've had, you know, um, players from 
so many different universities, uh, players who used to be my opponents and now are Team USA or professional teammates. It's a very cool, like full circle kind of lacrosse question. Um, but you got to play at UNC. You also played professionally as well. But one of my favorite questions to ask is when you think back about some of those teams that you were on, some of those really high achieving teams where you were in a locker room of people, you know, who had a like-minded goal, who would go out to battle every single day and push each other to be great. Like, what are some of the maybe traditions or fun moments or maybe like a big game you remember some sort of pump up speech or something unique that when you think back about that specific moment or tradition you think about that specific team yeah well I mean I feel like I always go back to those locker room scenarios and relationships like mm -hmm. when you, you asked me that question and there's a, a, a few guys that were to me just some of the funniest people you could ever imagine in your entire life and just the uniqueness they would bring, even in terms of like the costumes they'd wear at certain <laughs> parties or gatherings, it was just like, they were just so funny. And mm -hmm. the, the reason this theme is so important, you always hear it, like relationships matter. It's like relationships are everything, mm -hmm. Ev everything. And so surrounding yourself with people that bring that level of joy and laughter and excitement in your life, it's like you, you need to be continually doing that. And guess what? That takes extreme work once you get out of college and once you get out of those environments with teams. Those are, those are cultivated relationships. And so I just have the I, a, an entire book of just stories from some of the, the hilarious things and like really enjoy being in that moment with yeah. those people and the uniqueness of that scenario. It's a really condensed period of time, whether you're in middle school, high school, college, a Team USA type setting, like these are unique situations mm -hmm. and really enjoy that process, enjoy the people, be the light that kind of like lights up their life as well. So that's part of it. The other thing is the funny thing that happening that happens when you're in those suffering type scenarios. So like for some weird reason, my mind goes back to some of those grueling like January run tests and back to school where it's just like you drive back onto campus and your stomach would be like quivering. It's just like, no way I've got this run test in the day. And, and like everyone's feeling it and there's so much tension or on like these certain Monday uh, fall ball practices where all it was was just like, let's see how hard we can push. And it's just like, you're dreading it all day, but all of you guys are suffering together and, mm -hmm. and the joy in that. And it's remarkable, like when you find the laughter in that, and I don't know if you've been a part of that process. It's like, yeah. you're getting worked so hard where maybe like your brain is not reacting properly, where things just become funny and more comical. So for yeah. me, that's, that, that's it. It's like the locker room, the relationships, uh, the comedic nature of some of these things and then the suffering. Um, I mean, obviously I have some like really good memories around games, but the things that truly stuck with me, it's those. Yeah. I think that's really, really well said. And, um, honestly, some of my fondest memories are the same is in suffering, right? So yeah. um, it, it really is. And it's great. And it's the thing that, as you mentioned, I think it's important to think about too, is um, my mom always says, like, make sure you stop and smell the roses. And when I was younger, like, I would just kind of brush her off and be like, what are you talking about, mom? Like, I don't understand what you're trying to say. Um, but as I, you know, get later and later into my lacrosse career, it's like, like you said, those little blocks of time, it's like you're on, you're on a specific team with a specific group of people that maybe when you move on to high school, isn't the same group of people. It's going to feel different. It's going to be different. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different suffering. It's going to be different moments. Um, so I think that's a really special thing that you mentioned there. And just like remembering to really stop and understand and really um, recognize that these are one day going to be memories. So like, yeah. let's make sure we make the most of it. Yeah. Um, so really, really beautifully said there. And 
Um, I would love to kind of dive into, you know, post collegiately, like your next steps into, you know, your career and everything that went on from there. How did you know that, you know, what you work on now is something that you wanted to kind of dive into as a full-blown career? So it, it wasn't, you couldn't have asked me when I was 21 and about to finish. Like I couldn't have been like, Hey, in 15 years, this is exactly where it'll be. Like there are similar themes. Absolutely. Um, but it gets back to what I was talking about. Like I really just followed things I was deeply interested in. And I, I, I could probably thank my mom for that is giving yeah. me the space as a kid to explore and just really kind of figure out like, Oh, I really enjoy this and not, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be trying that. It's like, just let them run, right? Like let them run wild in their imagination. And so for me, I like really my entire journey is based on things I became deeply passionate about. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I bring that up because like the merger of sports and entrepreneurship. So I just naturally fell in love with entrepreneurship at a really young age. I don't know if um, you might be too young for Beanie Babies. There were these like stuffed animals. So when I was, when I was growing up, Beanie Babies, there was like an, a national craze like these, they became like, it's hard, the biggest thing in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was in the second and third grade, you could get these rare Beanie Babies and you could sell them for crazy amounts of money. So this was the second and third grade. My parents never told me to do anything like this. I used to go on the playground and I'd buy all these Beanie Babies for like 10, 15, $20. I was making thousands of dollars in the second and third grade. Oh my, gosh. my parents are like, what the, what, what the hell's going on here? And I just like, no one ever told me to do that, ever asked me. It. And so I was just in love with that. So maybe it was that early experience. So when I was still in college, I, I launched my first camp business because I just loved it. It was like, I love this sport. I love the entrepreneurial side of things. And I deeply love coaching individuals. So let me merge those. And so throughout that journey, I just really kept kind of following other interesting things where I get connected with other entrepreneurs and they were really intrigued about how I approach the sport, how I approach entrepreneurship, and then kind of just like designing my daily life. And so that's when I kind of just started working with individuals and then also just really interested in understanding companies. So that's how the investing lens worked, but they all didn't happen at the same time. They were natural progressions that to me, they all feel connected. They all yeah. feel like there's, there's similar themes there. Though so I know like if you, if you look on a sheet of paper, it might be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of things there, but there's also a lot of years that went into each one of those to develop the abilities. And that's one of the amazing things. So ever, I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this is an athlete or a, a parent of an athlete. Every one of those skills and every one of the sub skills that you're working on in your, in your sport right now, they completely translate to your life outside of sport. 100%, 100%. And I see so many people who are transitioning out of sport and the identity is one thing. And I was really lucky. My identity was never tied up in lacrosse. I love lacrosse. Like you couldn't imagine, I guess you obviously do imagine, uh, <laughs> But I, it wasn't who I was. I was always interested in a lot of things. So from a young age, I was just naturally curious on interesting things. Um, so the identity wasn't tied up there. But all of the how I approached my sport, it's the same mentality. It's, it's the same thing. How to uh, deal with the unknown, how to deal with hardships, how to bounce back from injuries, how to handle success, all of that. You learn that in sports. And you just need to say, oh, okay, this is, this is how it's translating and find the theme that you used in sport and apply it over. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I fully answered your question, but it really was about... I got really interested in something. And when I'm interested in something, my ability to learn, my ability to find the best people in the world, um, to learn from them, like the seminar you and I did the other night, I just get really curious in that. And I follow that. And I have an intuition. And I give my mom credit that she gave me the space to develop that intuition and that trust that if I do that over time, it's going to lead to some really cool and interesting places. 
but also there's a lot of like unknown and there's a lot of risk in there, right? And it's kind of going against the grain. So you got to develop the courage within yourself and trust yourself. The, uh, the German poet and philosopher who I love, Johann uh, von Goethe, he has this great line. He says, when you trust yourself, you'll know how to live. Mm. And I think so many people don't trust themselves. And so you got to develop the capacities to be able to trust yourself and trust that intuition. And for me, I just followed that intuition, that trust, that curiosity, that passion. Um, and it just fell in alignment with a lot of things. And there was a lot, there was a lot of unknowns and all that. There was tons of failures, still is continually. I laugh. I look back six months ago and I'm like, what an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> you are such an idiot. And I, but to me, that's, that's a huge, huge signal that you're progressing. So yeah. I'm constantly trying to look back and be like, oh, wow, you clearly missed it there and just keep learning. So I know that was a long-winded way. Um, oh, that was great. That was great. And I think like, and really important like last piece as well too right just remembering that like there's so much so much success in failure um and you just even mentioning how like looking back and failure can be quickly overturned by success as well you said even six months ago like you look back and you're like what was I doing I've come so far from there um I think that's really important as a young athlete listening as well um to implement into your own just kind of like mindset around failures and successes and you know, maybe having a bad tournament here or there and then being able to flip the, flip the script for yourself and um, turn it back around. So um, yeah, a lot of really great stuff there. And I, I you definitely- mind if, You mind if we jump in even more with failure? Because this theme is, is so critical. And this, this is the hardest thing to realize is that all of my deepest failures and the moments that absolutely sucked are literally the moments that I learned the most about myself. Yeah. And it's horrible because you have to go through it and it's so hard in the moment, but looking back, and so that's an exercise I would highly recommend. Go back, pick the most painful moments in your life. This mm -hmm. does not just have to be sports and view it through a completely different lens. What did I learn? Literally. And you can phrase it as if this was the best thing that ever happened in my life, why is that the reason? Because you learned some incredible things in those failures. And it's a, it, the, all of that, you have to make mistakes and you have to fail to be able to get to your next level. It is impossible. It mm -hmm. is impossible to raise your level if you stayed in the static state you're in. It's impossible. And so you have to reorient your relationship with, call it failure, call it mm -hmm. learning process, call it a stepping stone. It is a necessary thing. But the key thing is to be able to explore it, to look at it. What can I learn from this? How can I course correct? How can I adapt? How can I get better in the next play, in the next step, in the next moment? And that is an essential theme. And if you think you're going to go through this life without failures, completely wrong. They're going to come. They're going to come. But how do I develop my capacities to handle them when they show up? That's the critical skill. You know, right. I, I thought about this when I was younger. I always wanted, you want the, like, the perfect calm life, right? Like I just want to retire on the beach. There's going to be no hardships. That never, ever happens. And so it's just like, how do you have the skills necessary to navigate whatever life's going to throw at you? Because mm -hmm. believe me, the, the toughest lessons came for me way after sports. And believe mm -hmm. me, in, in the moment during certain injuries or, or lost games, believe me, it, it was my world and it felt like that. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not saying that the things you're going through are not hard. 100% in that moment at all, it is. But in terms of big, broad perspective, things in life, my, my worst things were way after, way after sports, but sports helped me handle failure, helped me navigate, helped me learn from those that I could then apply later on in life. So yeah, 
if you think you're going to avoid failures, if you're going to avoid setbacks, it's not true. And this is one of the this is one of the biggest hindrances to developing your skills and capacities. And yeah. I was really lucky because when I was when I was growing up, we didn't have social media, and so I see this a lot. People are so concerned with how they're going to look on film where guess what? They're never testing their capacities. And this is one of the biggest hindrances to high performance. So you need to divorce yourself from that. You need to get comfortable with going into that unknown, with mm -hmm. making mistakes. That is where you develop your capacities. And too many people, they compare, they compare what they're doing, like they're behind the scenes, that failure process to someone else's highlight reel because that's all you're seeing. In order to be able to do those amazing things, they had to go through all of the, all of the hardships, all of the suffering, and even if they're only showing the best of their abilities, know there are so many things underneath it it took to get there. One, one of the best visuals I think about for this, if, if you like basketball or not, I'm not, I can't say I'm a Steph Curry fan, but I, I love this. You always see him like jacking up those half court threes, and it's amazing. And so what I see is I see so many kids go out, and what do they do? What's the first shot they attempt when they get on the court? The half court three. What is the first thing Steph Curry, Curry does every single time he steps on the court? He goes directly underneath the basket. Yep. He goes directly underneath the basket. That is the foundational skill he's working on. Mm -hmm. And so you see the highlight reel and you think that's what you should be practicing. You should be practicing the foundational building blocks that allows you to get to that half court shot. Yep. So yeah, failure is all a part of it. Yeah, I, I, I love that analogy. Um, it's something like so important, especially with social media, like you said, um, you only see the highlight reels. Um, I, I can speak as someone who is at the top of her game right now and only posts her highlight reels too. A lot of times you don't see the behind the scenes, right? Um, so the people that you might be watching or looking up to, or, um, you know, even just seeing on social media, everyone always posts their, their best on social media. So comparing yourself, your worst, even your best to someone else's best, um, is never necessarily the answer. So remembering that like your failures are going to lead you to the fundamentals of your successes. I, I think that was so, so important and so well said that I'm going to stop talking before I ruin it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I have, I, there's another, there's another part to that. Yeah. So we see people like yourself and people, and I've been really fortunate to get to work with, work alongside and interview literally the, like the, the best in the world at what they do. Mm -hmm. Olympic gold medalists, top CEOs, things like that, all of them, all of them battle with stuff. They all have internal demons. They all have fears. They suffer from self-doubts. They have anxieties. Every single thing that when you see people on the pinnacle, you think they don't deal with, I literally have seen under the hood and I work directly with these people. I, every single one of them, no matter how at the top they are, there are things they're struggling with. There are things they're suffering with. Yeah. Every single person like that, there's no aliens on this planet. They were all human beings and they all deal with those things. So when you're going through that, when you're having those moments, know that those people that you're seeing and putting on that pinnacle, they experience in that too. But it's yeah. about what they do when those moments happen and how they move through them that helps them evolve over time. So if you're feeling those things, believe me, everyone else also suffers with that. Yeah. Our lives are meshed together. Through the ups and downs, a tight-knit community. We catch each other when we fall, we raise each other up, and we have each other's backs. There are no fair-weather friends here. We show up every season through the cold, the heat, the rain. When the goal's in our sights, we're ready to fight with our collective strengths because together, we're tougher. Check with your local retailer online or in-store to find Brine products.
Yeah, definitely. Um, and can't emphasize that enough. Um, so I appreciate you for kind of taking that to that next step. And um, I definitely want to kind of get into our next, it's a little bit of a game, um, kind of where I'm going to ask you to um, answer in like three quick words. I'm going to struggle with this. <laughs> yeah, three quick words or phrases. Okay, All good. Yeah. Um, but it's just about your values. Um, and I think we've gotten a good little bit of a look into, you know, how you value your time, how you value your clients, how you value your journey, and you've looked back on it. Um, so yeah, this is just kind of a little bit of an exercise and I've found it really exciting to hear a lot of our guests answers because they've been, every single one of them has been different, um, oh, which cool. has been really, really cool for me. So, um, what are three things that you value the most in a person? Deep presence. I love seeing authenticity come out. And I love people who display courage, and this is can be in the littlest of things or the biggest of things. Uh, to me, when someone is deeply present, they're fully authentic, and they have the courage to both be themselves and try things. Love it. I love seeing that. Mm. See, all new answers. I love this. I love this game. Um, what are some of the things you value the most in a teammate? Effort. Loyalty, commitment, are they a bar raiser? Are they, are they mm -hmm. elevating each situation they come into? You do that, no matter, it, you could be the, the lowest person on the totem pole. You are a bar raiser, you elevate situations. That to me, I love that. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants those people. Um, so yeah, I would say those. Love it. Last but not least, what are some of the things you value the most in a leader? They've earned it. They've been through it. And... They show me capacities in myself that I did not see yet. And they pull that out. Mm, they show you your potential. I love that. Wow. Okay. See, I love that game. Gets me all hyped up. Okay. Um, <laughs> you could do it too. That was great. Um, <laughs> one of my other uh, other favorite questions <clears throat> from the Dream On podcast is, um, it's a fun way to look at, you know, everyone who comes on this this podcast has some sort of following some sort of group that really looks up to them and follows them for some sort of inspiration. Um, and for you, I know you've done a lot of research and you've done a lot to really build up your craft and everything that you do. So it's kind of a two-sided question. The first side of it is I'd like to know from someone in your life, maybe a mentor, a coach, someone special in your life, what is one piece of advice that you've kind of taken into your own life from that person? I still say this. I mean, this was 25 years ago. Uh, I was in the seventh grade, Bob Turco at Tri-State. He pulled me alongside and he said, the only person who can stop Sean Delaney is Sean Delaney. Mm -hmm. that, that bit of advice is true for every person that is listening to this podcast. Every yeah. single one of us. The only person who's going to stop you is you. Mm -hmm. And that to me is one of the most empowering things ever. You take full responsibility for your journey and becoming who you want to be and showing up in this world as the person you want to be. And you fight those mental demons, those limitations, those fears, every single moment. Mm -hmm. That to me, I just, I was really lucky. I had someone that I admire the hell out of tell me that really early and it set in. And then years, years later, I realized how much value and wisdom there was in that comment. Yeah. And it was cool. It was actually cool. I, uh, I called Kurt Turco. This might've been a year ago and uh, I hadn't mentioned that to him. 
Um, this is like the best bit of advice I'd ever heard. And we talked about it on the phone. He remembered the, the moment specifically. So that was just cool getting to connect with a mentor 25 years later about the, uh, the advice. That's really special too. Cause a lot of times you think about something like that and you think that might've been impactful one-sided like for you, um, yeah. but for him to also remember it um, makes it all the more special. So I love that. That's really, really cool. On the other side of things, so if you flip the script and people, you know, are listening to you or reading your books and, you know, following you, what is something that you hope that these people are taking from you into their own lives? I would probably say there is a, uh, it might be chapter nine, 10 or 11 in Masterpiece in Progress. I write, I write on it there and it's that you haven't met all of you yet. Hmm. You haven't met all of you yet. That to me sends chills down my spine. There are abilities, capacities, interests, loves, you name it, inside of you that have not come out yet and that you don't even know are there. And you can unearth those and you can bring them to life. And to me, I just get so excited at that thought. I, I, I love the thought that our life is art, right? We get, to, we get to craft it. We get to design it how we want it to be. And inside that art form, there are abilities you had no idea, but you got to keep pushing. You got to have that courage that I talked about. You got to be willing to bring out that authenticity inside you. And you do that over time. It is remarkable who you'll become. Yeah, I had to turn around and grab my book because I knew that I had already read that excerpt and I have some highlights here. From that page, you haven't met all of you yet. I highlighted you haven't met all of you yet. And I highlighted, imagine adopting a mindset where each new day offers a chance to meet a more profound, more courageous and more authentic version of yourself. And I just, for that, that just stuck with me um, and everything you just said. So um, yeah, I think obviously people are taking that from you if I'm, I'm taking it from you, from your, from your book. But um, I think that is just really special and really hit home for me. So I just wanted to reiterate that with a little piece of my own <laughs> reading. <Cool>. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay. So we talk a little bit about dreaming on this podcast. Dream on podcast is um, named after one, a tattoo that my sister and I both have. Um, I have mine on my arm in her handwriting. She has hers on her foot in my handwriting and it's just says dream on. From the movie Miracle, the song Dream On comes on at a very specific moment. Um, and it always, as two young athletes, it always hyped us up whenever we watched it. And it was just one of those special moments. We went on to continue playing lacrosse together at Stony Brook and just had a lot of really special moments that felt very miracle-esque, felt very awesome. dream on. Um, so that's the reasoning behind the name of this podcast. And um, I'd like to know what some of your dreams are. So where do you hope to see, let's talk lacrosse first. Where do you hope to see our sport in the future, in the next five, 10 years? I know lacrosse is going to be in the Olympics in 2028, but for you personally, like what would you be pumped to see in lacrosse? I want to see the trailblazers of the sport are grounding it in principles that can be embodied once people are done playing the sport. So what I mean by that is you'll see certain sports, it's about, it's about the, flame, the fame, the cameras, the bright lights, as opposed to, I'll share, I'll share a story, which is why when I was growing up, professional lacrosse hadn't even come around yet. 
And so I was in the sixth grade and this was, this was probably the year before major league lacrosse started as an all-star game. And at the time there was this team is called team Toyota. It's almost hard to conceptualize team Toyota. Now imagine if team USA and team Canada got together and literally just the best guys between those teams, which just happened to be on, on a, on a weekend travel team. Literally that's what it was. So you had the gate brothers, you had the pal brothers. It was literally the greatest players in the world. And so I finish up my game and I look over and there is my idol. I'm talking like my idol. It was my Michael Jordan. It was Casey Powell. Mm -hmm. And so my dad's like, that's Casey Powell. It's your hero. You got to go up and talk to your hero. So I'm, I'm a shy sixth, sixth <laughs> grader. Obviously my dad's dragging me over there. I don't want to do this. Casey Powell gives me his full attention, his full presence, talks to me for a few minutes. He says, hold on a second. Let me go grab something. He goes into his bag and he grabs his custom Rochester Nighthawks gloves and he gave them to me. Wow. That to me is just like, I, and I've, I've become friends with Casey over the years. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I, I tell him that story so many times. I mean, he did not remember, <laughs> but I'm, I'm bringing that up because the impact little moments like that has where he was grounded and saying, you know what, this kid looks up to me yeah. and I'm going to give this kid my full attention. I'm going to help inspire his dreams, help them keep going. And I want to see the ambassadors, the leader of our sport, pulling that forward. That is what is critical. I think that's what's really going to make true and lasting impact on the sport. And the more ways you can connect with, with the kids at a real level, that to me is extremely important. That is more important than social following and stuff like that. So I just want to see the leaders of the sport continue grounding the sport in lessons like that. Wow, that's really cool. Such a fun story too, um, to just be able to remember and then be able to now full circle, be able to say that you know, if you put yourself back in your shoes back then when you had that interaction and said, hey, in however many years, you're actually going to be friends with Casey Powell, you would never believe yourself. Um, yeah, I was, so. I was, I was, I was playing against him my rookie year in, uh, in the semifinals when he was right next to me. There was definitely the moment of like, dude, that's my idol. Like, hey. <laughs> very, but yeah, yeah, very cool. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's just cool to see that. And I think the lesson that that left on me, and I know I'm going long-winded in every single one of these answers. No, it's great. Is that I had that then when I was in high school and in college and professionally, meaning there is going to be a kid or a person who's looking up to me, whether I'm in, in ninth grade and it's an eighth grader looking up to me, or whether I'm on a professional in, in a stadium in Denver playing in front of 30,000 people and the kid wants an autograph. Every single one of those moments, you got to give your full attention, your presence, because that could be the best moment in that kid's life. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was so lucky I got that lesson early from Casey that you never know what this little interaction can do for someone else. Yeah, I think that's so, so well said. And obviously something that's so important in not only sports, but just every interaction ever right now. Um, so I think that was a very unique way to answer that question. And I loved it. Um, speaking of dreaming for you, what's next in Sean's life? What are you dreaming about these days? What's coming up? Uh, this, this might not be a, a, as applicable totally for everyone, but, um, so I, I mean, father, I have three kids, so we have a, a three month old daughter. She, she's the youngest and we got most likely is gonna be our, our last kid. So until she goes to school in 18 years or, or does whatever she does when she's out of the house, I, I view for me, this is the most 18, most important 18 year window in my entire life, mm -hmm. because if I want an amazing later life where my kids love coming back, I get grandkids, all of those things. I need to be amazing during this window. And so for me, I get really energetically excited about that, right? Like really being fully there for the people that I care about, 
doing everything I can to make those relationships amazing. And so there's there's a few things I think about. I heard this leadership advice, so I'll, I'll tie this in for, for the sports element. He was actually an orchestra conductor. His name is Benjamin Zander. He's an amazing individual. He's 84, just an amazing individual. And so he's, he's a, the orchestra conductor at the Boston Philharmonic. And don't worry, this has a sports element to it. And so he's he was 45. So I said, now he's about 84. When he was 45, he said, I realized for the first time, being the conductor of an orchestra, I do not make a single sound. He goes, like, I, I move my hands. I do all the flashy stuff. I get the CD cover, everything like that. He goes, I do not make a sound. He goes, so the only way I get power is by making other people more powerful. Mm-hmm. And you know how I know if I'm doing that? If their eyes are shining. If their eyes are shining, I'm doing my job. And if they're not, then I get to ask myself the question. And this is the most important question. Who do I have to be that those people's eyes are shining? Mm-hmm. Now, this is beautiful because you can apply this on your team. If you're the leader of the team, if you're the coach, how are my people's eyes shining? Same thing for me. The reason this sticks with me right now, who do I have to be? So when I walk in the door every single day, my three kids' eyes are shining. Mm-hmm. That to me is what I'm measuring right now. That to me is what matters. So I always talk about who do I want to be? That's who I want to be. Someone who lights up the eyes and other people. And then what do I need to do in order to make that happen? Um, so I, I know that's by a completely different answer than no, you're thinking it. about, uh, but, but that's that's literally where I'm at right now in my life. That to me is the most important thing. Yeah, and I think that honesty is really relatable, right? I think that a um, bunch of different like levels to your success, bunch of different blocks of time that have gotten you to where you are. And this is the block of time that you're in right now. And what you want to focus on has your full attention. Um, and yeah. you mentioned that at the very beginning of this podcast. Um, even with something as small as just your day-to-day calendar, you mentioned like when you're in something, you're fully in it and you could see that theme through and through um, with that statement as well, with what you want to focus on for the next 18 years or so. Um, yeah. So I love that. There's all sorts of different ways of dreaming. So, um, and that's definitely one of them. Um, we always like to end our podcasts on a fun note, which I also like to do with our clinics and everything that we do. I always like to end on a fun note. Um, So we're going to do that here today. Some of our um, guests take this into um, some of our guests answer with like rapid fire answers. Some of our guests answer and have to explain their answers. So it takes a little bit longer. Totally up to you, however you would like. Um, But it's more of just a fun little way for our listeners to get to know you on a fun, fun level. You ready? All right. What is your favorite like sweet tooth treat? I, I'm not really like a, a, that sweet tooth of a guy, so I damper on that one. Uh, but my mom always <laughs> made this incredible called monkey bread on Christmas morning, uh, which is just, I, I love it. Um, so yeah, that would be monkey bread. Nice. What is the best TV show in your opinion? Uh, Game of Thrones. I've literally watched Game of Thrones, I think me and my wife three times probably. Really? Oh. So many layers to it. So good. Yeah. I'm sure you've watched House of Dragon then. Oh Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we went to- <laughs> We went to Croatia uh, in 2022, right after watching Game of Thrones for the first time for me. And that's where half of it was filmed. And it was incredible. There was going to be more conversation to this. Um, What is or who is one of your favorite athletes to follow for inspiration? Uh, uh, In terms of, you know, like I I literally, uh, I do not scroll or like jump on social media. So in terms of following, um, growing up, my deepest inspiration, even though I'm an Eagles fan, uh, was Ray Lewis of the Ravens. But I am huge into sports documentaries. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like the last get dance with the Chicago Bulls was incredible. Um, I, I just love watching people who are like really pushing their limits. There's one I watched last week on the uh, the women's uh, U.S. soccer team. I really enjoyed that. Um, there's a Conor McGregor one, which I think like once you believe me, he does plenty of things wrong, but also like what he had to do and how committed he was. That to me was really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love watching sports documentaries and stuff like that. That's probably where I, I get my uh, my biggest thing in terms of following. But I, I, there's not one. It's I'm trying to learn from all of these different people and see what they do. That to me is like the common theme. That's awesome. Um, what is your go-to breakfast meal? Uh, fruit smoothie. I usually make every day. Yeah. I make a blueberry smoothie. Okay. Who, what is a book that you would recommend to athletes? So I'm a voracious reader. Uh, I've read so much over the years, but there are two that I usually don't hear as much. So the one is by the legendary 49ers coach. You probably haven't even heard of him, Bill Walsh. I think he won five Super Bowls with the Niners. And it's called The Score Takes Care of Itself. The Mm. Score Takes Care of Itself. What a theme, right? Like that's basically just like he understood the process. And if our process is impeccable, that is going to lead to an amazing thing. And I know I'm going to go along with Winnie here. There's a story in the beginning of that book where he gets the job. He's in his second year and he's, they're like eight games in the season and they're like two and six and they lose in Miami and he's flying back on the plane and his assistant coaches need to huddle over him because he's literally bawling, crying because he thinks he's about to get fired and his, his whole life's over, right? We talk about hardships overcoming it. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. This was before he was great. And so he realizes in that five-hour flight, he goes, I realize I need to pull myself up. And he literally, it's a threshold moment. Every single change in trajectory of our life happens in one single moment. And so he made a critical decision that, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can tomorrow. And guess what? If I get fired, I get fired. But I'm doing everything I possibly can. And he has an amazing story. So he comes back, obviously, ends up winning like five championships. But the score takes care of itself, I think, is amazing. Also, if you're a coach or you're into leadership, Legacy by James Kerr. Amazing book. Amazing book. I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Um, I recommend that every time I can. Um, Are you a beach or a mountains kind of person? Where the two intersect, the Costa Rica, (laughs) Greece, South of France, any place in mountains connect with the beach. That is my happy place. Oh, that's a great answer. I don't think we've ever got Um, what is your favorite Jersey number to rep or, um, just in general and why 23. So I wore that at Carolina my last two years. Everyone thought it was because of Jordan. I'm my birthday is May 23rd. I happened to get it my first year ever playing lacrosse and I just loved it. So yeah, 23. It's not a bad one to accidentally get. Um, yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Are you, well, we know this answer. You're a morning person, not a night owl anymore. Um, and what is one thing on your bucket list? African safari, love Ooh. animals, love animals. Uh, I have never done it. And it's something I want to do really bad. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be such a very, uh, like just eye-opening trip. I'm sure. Um, that's a really cool bucket list. Well, um, I know I have plenty more questions, so we'll probably have to do a round two of this, of this episode, but, um, I just want to personally thank you for coming on to the podcast and, really just sharing so much of your wisdom and so many of your little tidbits and things that we can really implement into our game as not only athletes, but people, leaders, teammates, parents, all of the above. Um, There was so much in this episode jam packed into one hour and 
I'm just really grateful to have gotten to really connect with you a couple times over the last week. Um, and yeah, if you guys want to see more of Sean, make sure you check out his two books. Masterpiece in Progress is the one that I'm really diving into on a daily basis right now. Um, and you can check out his podcast as well. What got you there for, I'm sure some even more inspiring conversations than what I felt like was this one. This one was fantastic. So Sean, thank you so much. No, thank you. This is amazing and important work you're doing. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time.